0: Now, what I want to do, I want to go into the word of God from Matthew chapter 16, and I want to share an encounter that Peter had with Jesus while Jesus was still living. And this will sort of be a This Is Us, Jack Pearson flashback effect on the word of God for us to see something that Jesus said while he was still on earth in bodily form that still echoes with ramifications for our lives today. And I want to ask that everyone stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God that is physically able to stand. And uh, even if you're watching on a screen somewhere, just stand up for a moment in reverence and respect for the Word of God. Because the grass withers, the flower fades, and your outfit goes out of style. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. I modernized it a little bit. Amen. So I want to look at this scripture, and it's just a conversation that Peter had with Jesus beginning in Matthew 16 verse 13 when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say the son of man is and they replied well some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets but what about you he asked who do you say I am Simon Peter answered because he always had something to say he was that guy he was that dude And a lot of times everybody in the room benefited from his ignorance because Jesus would correct him and none of them had to be embarrassed by asking the stupid question. And he was that kid in class that would always raise his hand and the teacher's like, what, Peter? And so Peter raises his hand, but this time he gets it right because he doesn't identify Jesus just on the basis of miracles or the mechanics or the cosmetics, but he sees the potential that Jesus has and only only the Spirit of God could have showed him this. In fact, when he said it, uh, he was so right that, that Jesus knew that's not you talking. That's not that part of you that, that comes from the head and from the mind that tries to figure everything out. And when he said this, verse 16, you are the Messiah or the Christ, depending on the translation that you read. He identified Jesus at a deeper level. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father in heaven I tell you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hates will not overcome it I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and then he ordered his disciples keep your mouth shut and don't tell anyone what I just told you From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Today I want to speak to you about the potential of pain, the potential of pain. God, we pray for open hearts, pray for focused minds, and we thank you in advance for changed lives where your spirit is there is freedom and liberty i pray the chains would fall to the floor today and i pray that people would leave this place with a much different perspective on you and themselves that would enable them to overcome in your name by the power of your blood and the word of our testimony we give you praise today in jesus name amen, amen. on your way to your seat tell somebody you must have done something right to sit next to me i'm your i'm your dream neighbor I probably shouldn't tell you this on Easter because you've got your grandmother with you, but I have two tattoos. And I didn't get them before I became a Christian. But they're really biblical. One is in Hebrew. So that's, you know, that it's okay. And the other one is on my ring finger and it has my wife and my initial. So I was just kind of like trying to make sure I had her locked in. So I was like, We're going to get our initials tattooed, and we did it together. So it says H&S, and so if she wants to marry somebody else, she'll be narrowed down to the letter S, and I figure it increases my odds keeping her. Anyway, when I went to get the first one, which is on my back, the one that says kavod or honor or weight in Hebrew, at least I think that's what it says. I failed Hebrew in seminary, but so that's what I think it says. (laughs) But it's on a real painful spot, and it was terrible. It hurt so bad when I got it. And I'm only going to have two. I'm never getting any more, not because I don't want any more. I mean, I don't know if I want any more or not. I'm just not, I have a very low pain tolerance. And when I finished with that one, this was years ago, the guy that took me to get it, he was like, um, I said, I feel, you have so many. This guy had tattoos, just sleeves. And, And so I said, I feel, I feel so... Uh, Unmanly, how how much that hurt. He said, oh no, well the place you got it on is one of the most painful places you can get one. So when I said that, I said, why didn't you tell me that before I got the tattoo? He said, because I knew you wouldn't go through with it. I sometimes wonder if the reason Jesus waited until this point in his ministry to really start explaining to his disciples what it was going to be like to follow him was because he knew that if they really knew what it would mean to follow him, they wouldn't go through with it. And I've wondered before if God sometimes in our lives doesn't work in stages, only showing us what we can handle at that point in time because of his infinite wisdom. You know, there's a, a real tendency for us to judge Peter in moments like what we're about to read. Because when Jesus proclaimed to his disciples that he was going to the cross, this was the first time they had heard him talk like that. Up until this point, they had heard him say things like, be healed. Or they'd heard him say things like, bring me the bread. And they had watched him do things like multiply it. Or cause something that was lame to walk. And as much as we give credit to Jesus for seeing the potential in Peter... I think we should take a moment and recognize that it took faith for Peter to see the potential in Jesus. He understood at a deeper level that there was something about this miracle worker that was unlike the others who had performed miracles. There was something about this prophet. His words had a different authority than the teachers of the law. There was something about the way that he moved and Not only the way that he spoke, but the way that he prayed and, and the way that he lived and the way that he led that drew Peter to believe that this is the one. And he believed it not in the kind of way where you tell people I believe in you. Because honestly, it really means very little for you to say that. If you are not invested in someone's potential, it may it may be that you just actually are using flattery. It's, it's a different thing when you let Jesus use your boat. Peter had actually been put in an awkward position where he was out fishing one night and Jesus just got in his boat and took off in it and and Peter pushed him out and was willing to let him use his boat which represented his livelihood and it's unique to me that Peter saw Jesus as one who had potential to change everything and in the same way Jesus saw in Peter a kind of potential that probably no one else saw The reason I know that is because he called Peter a rock while Peter was still very unstable. And it seems as if he was judging Peter, not according to his performance, but according to his potential. You know what's funny? If I held your phone right now, I couldn't use it to its full capacity because I don't know what's in it like you do. I don't understand all of the contacts. I could have a lot of fun. I could send some text messages that would create weeks and weeks of interesting conversations if I had your phone for 10 minutes. But it is true that the one who possesses the thing has an intimate knowledge of its potential that is unique to the one who possesses it. In the same way, I believe that God knows things about your potential that your mother doesn't know, that your father doesn't know, that your best friend doesn't know. I believe God knows things about your potential that even in your greatest moments of triumph you can only imagine and I believe he speaks to your life from time to time not from the vantage point of your performance but from the vantage point of your potential how many are grateful that God sees your potential when other people want to hold you down to the level of your past when other people want to hold you down to the level of your worst moments so he calls him a rock even though Peter at this point is very unstable. And we know he's unstable because he just got his gold star for correctly identifying Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And no sooner does he say who Jesus is correctly than he makes a move that is above his pay grade. And I want to show you this in verse 22 because it's almost hard to believe that he could go from so high to so low in a matter of a moment. From from so faith-filled And so accurate in his assessment of Jesus to making a statement that completely contradicted the purpose of God. And it might give you hope because some of you in here have vacillated even this morning in the amount of faith that you have. You were a different person in the parking lot than you were during the praise and worship set. Now, don't make me ask your husband what you're like when you get home, because I only see you in one condition. But from moment to moment, many of us who have the greatest potential for power and purpose also have the greatest potential for pain and failure. And Peter demonstrates it in the text right after he hears the explanation from Jesus about what's about to happen. The Bible says that he takes Jesus aside, verse 22, and begins to rebuke him. Now, this is always a bad idea for you to explain to the God of the universe how his plan is not correct because it does not conform to your agenda. Watch what he says next. And this is what I wanted to preach to you about. He said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Somebody say never Say it louder. Say never. Yeah. Because the Greek word for never is a strong word. It's not a, it's not a whisper mumble word. It's, a, it's an emphatic never. The, the Greek word is ume. It's a double negative. It's not even grammatically correct what Peter is saying. He is so confident that he knows what God is going to do in his life. That he says, not only never, but watch this, never, no never. I used to say this all the time about the way that I would raise my kids until I had them. I used to say, I'll never, I will never be the kind of dad who screams at his kids that way. You know, never. Oh, I would never. Uh, Because what good would that do? to 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 discipline my kids from anger would only create fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I will never discipline my kids in a spirit which will contradict the very nature of the God that I seek to represent. I want to be a good, good father. I want to give them an accurate presentation of their father in heaven. And so I will always correct them from a posture of love. I will never raise my voice. Why would I try to correct them in the same spirit that I'm trying to correct? I will always discipline them in a way that will show them that while the behavior may be unacceptable, Your identity and my love for you are eternally secure. Now I I yell at my kids so much. Somebody say never until you had them. But we, we can all get this kind of false confidence. And life will challenge your concept of never. I'm well aware that many people gathered here today are in a situation right now that you never thought you'd find yourself in. Other people's marriages may fall apart, but my marriage? (laughs) Never. We will wash one another's feet in the name of our risen Lord. I would never talk to my husband that way. Never. Never. I'd never... I would never struggle with that. I don't know how somebody could get hooked on something like that. I just don't get people like that. I would never. Never. Who may? You may. Me? Never. I don't get people who struggle with depression. They've got the joy of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. The Bible says always give thanks in all things, in all circumstances. All means all, Stephen. Rejoice in in the Lord. I, I will rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. I don't understand people until something happens in your life that knocks you off balance. And you might find yourself. Be careful what you judge me for today. It might be knocking on your door tomorrow. I I never thought... I I never thought that I would be the one dealing with anxiety. But now I can't catch my breath. I never thought I would think a, a thought that dark. I never struggled with that in my teens. I didn't struggle with that in my 20s. Now it came out of nowhere... Never, no, never, never, ever, 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 never, never. He said that another time too. This was kind of Peter's thing, you know, he's, um, he's sitting at the table with the Lord at the Passover meal where Jesus was telling him "Now this is my body broken for you. And he's, he's talking symbolically about what he's going to do practically in 24 hours and they can't comprehend it. And he's telling them, not only am I going to die and bleed like this for you... But actually, all of you are going to be unable to take it, and your faith will fail, and you will all walk away. You will all fall away. One of you is going to betray me, not saying any names. Is Judas. But the rest of you, don't get too judgmental, because none of you are going to be there at the cross when it happens. You were there when I was feeding bread, but when the bread is broken, you will all fall away, all of you. And what did Peter say about that? You, know, you, might, you, might, you, might be, you might be surprised. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will yeah. never. Not me. When I first started preaching, I asked the pastor. This was like very early on. I was just studying the Bible and I was trying to understand the miracles. And some of the stuff in there is hard to accept at face value y'all never read it before it's some really crazy stuff in here like dead people getting up out of the ground and my, my faith wanted to believe it but my mind was contradicting it so I asked this pastor do you ever have doubts he said no never I said you never doubt the Bible he said no never and two years later he was out of ministry Because sometimes it's the people who will not acknowledge their weakness that are the most susceptible to it. Really, God put it on my heart to preach to the people today, and this may not be you, and it's okay, that are in a situation where you never thought you would struggle with what you're struggling with. You watched other people struggle with it, but you never thought that you would. What do you do when you find yourself in the situation that you swore you'd never be in? That you never imagined that you'd be in? What resurrection does is it challenges my concept of never. It challenges my expectation of never. Because what it shows me is that although I've never seen somebody get up from the ground before after being buried that when God says never it's different than when I say never and so what God wants to challenge this Easter Sunday is my understanding of what is possible my understanding of what could never happen my understanding because there are many of us here who have given up on our hope and the word over your life has been never you'll never be happy like they are you will never be free from this your mom wasn't her mom wasn't her mom wasn't what makes you think it's possible for you you are never going to connect you will never love again you will never heal from this you will never recover from that fall you will never rebuild your reputation it will never happen from you but heaven speaks a different never See, I want to show you another never. And this never doesn't come from the mouth of Peter. This this never comes from the mouth of God and it's from Hebrews 13 verse 5 and I need all my Easter people to get ready to shout on this because after you've been through all that hell has to throw at you after you have survived the worst possible assault on your faith and your mind and your sanity after people have left you after circumstances have drained you of your human energy there remains a promise in the word of God and this is not Peter's prediction this is God's promise he said never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. The Greek word is ume. They might, but I won't. Never, no never. When will I withdraw my love from you? Never, no never. When will I change my mind about you? Never, no never. When will I walk away and give up on the plans I made for your life? Never, no never. Shout if you got a God who says never means Says never, he means never. There's nothing you can do about a devil. I got a living hope. Never, never. Uh, people may change their mind about my potential, but he never will. And this is a different level of hope this is not the kind of hope you know that plastic hope that plastic purple hope like these little plastic these little plastic purple easter eggs that you see These are, they're bright and pretty but they're plastic and they're hollow but my hope is built on nothing less y'all don't know any hymns your mom didn't take you to church my hope is built on nothing less so my hope I might as well show them give me the basket my hope is not hollow my hope is not empty my hope is not plastic my hope is not circumstantial Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says that I hope in the glory of God that's different than hoping in the praises of men that's different than hoping in the kindness of life or the peaceability of circumstances. My hope, watch this, is hard-boiled. My hope has been through the fire. My hope has been through hell. My hope has been disappointed and still found a way to bounce back. And watch this, even if it cracks on the surface, it's still good on the inside. I got a living hope. It's Easter, he's risen. He showed me on the cross how to deal with the penalty of my sin, but that's not all he showed me. He showed me how to deal with my pain to let me know that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. great potential in your pain he didn't change his mind about Peter when he says never he means never when he says always he means always because it said that while we were still sinners Christ died for us not on the basis of my performance but on the basis of his purpose now if he died for me while I was still a sinner it means that he's still a savior even if I continue to sin and nothing can pluck you from his hand and nothing can erase your name it's etched on his heart This is not superstition or sentimentality. By the spirit of God, I declare over your life today, God has not changed his mind about you. And your pain cannot negate it. And your mistakes cannot negate it. I want you to stand because I want to pray for people today. Who have been called out by God for great purpose and great potential. And at the cross, we find a demonstration of God's estimation of your worth. It would be my privilege today, wherever you find yourself in life and whatever your particular brand of pain may be today, whether it's a relational betrayal, Jesus experienced that. Whether it is a temptation, Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are tempted, but he was without sin. Whatever the pain That you can name today I know a name that is greater than your pain and I know a name that is greater than your shame and while we were still sinners he saw what he put in you he he still sees you according to the original blueprint no matter how much life has tried to layer it with cynicism and doubt in addictions and fears and disappointments and rejection. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem. Peter didn't like it. The disciples couldn't stand it. Even he prayed, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But it was the purpose that he came for. I believe God is working a great purpose in your life in this season. It is what you do with the pain that determines what it becomes. Many people died on crosses at the time when Jesus was crucified. There was nothing different about his cross. It was what he did with his cross. That he endured it for the joy set before him, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. I ask that no one move in this moment. This is a holy, sacred moment. I want to give an invitation for people who've been brought here today, not by the invitation of a family member or a friend, but by the spirit of God. And he drew you here because he wanted you to know that there is potential in you that will only become real as you trust in him and surrender to his way. And this is your moment to do it. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed at this church, we pray a prayer for the sake of those who are far from God. And who are coming into a relationship with him. And we pray it out loud as a church family. Now all over the world. I believe God is drawing people. At every location. I believe God is drawing people. And if your heart is beating today. And you know that this is God calling your name. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to repeat it after me. As an expression of your faith. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth. That Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Not by works, but through faith, by grace. And in this moment, I believe Jesus is calling. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And pray together as a church family. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And today, I make Jesus... The Lord of my life, I believe you died, that I could be forgiven, and rose again to give me life. This is my new beginning. I am a child of God. I am a new creation. And on the count of three, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to shoot your hand boldly in the air on three. One, two, three, at every location, let's celebrate that awesome decision. Come on, we can do better than that. Y'all welcome them into the family of God. Let's welcome these souls. Let's celebrate a fresh start. Let's celebrate a new beginning.